0: So, just a little bit of uh, backdrop <clears throat> hold on here. got to wait for the iPad to warm up. okay, a little bit of backdrop. Um, i didn 't have like a lot of time to prepare. This was kind of like a, uh so I was thinking I was thinking when I was asked to preach, I thought i don 't know if I have anything, and then all of a sudden, uh, in the back of my head, I heard the Holy Spirit tell me. Uh, And it was from joe's message last week that the devil desires to shut up your mouth and put a mask on it but that you need to open up your mouth and immediately i started getting something uh and it was very interesting because i i heard uh, i heard this is your life message this is easy this is lifestyle christianity and then i and then i saw somebody on monday night and they came in to my clinic, and they had a Todd White lifestyle Christianity shirt on, and I thought, okay, Lord, this is good. I can do this. Um, Do you know to be a follower of Jesus is just, it just is easy for you. It's your lifestyle. It's just, uh, he's in you, and so it's just really simple, I'm going I'm to give you a couple of scriptures first to start off with. And I'm giving you these scriptures because, and those of you who are old school and have a pad and paper or a phone, I'm going to encourage you to memorize these. And you'll know why in a minute. This is 1 Corinthians 1557. It says, but thanks be to God. He gives us the victory... Through our Lord Jesus Christ. This is in an NIV. Meditate on this for a second. Who has the victory? Nope, nope. Read it again. He gives us the victory. The natural thought is to say God has the victory. He's saying you have the victory. Who has it? You do. Where's it come from? Through him. And you know who you're hidden in? In You're in him. That's who you are. And then what happens to start it off? The first thing in the verse, give thanks. As we were meditating, uh, you know, you were given this word this morning, and then I was so blessed this morning in worship. Thank you, worship team. And they're up here, and they're talking about fight my battles, and, and I'm just like yeah, this is how it works. You give thanks before you ever see something come to pass. And the effective walk in Christianity is really not complex. It's this simple. Sometimes we gotta make ourselves like a little kid. And we just gotta say, okay, what did you say? Who has the victory? I do. Who's it come through? Jesus. My partnership with him. And then... What do I do before I get it? The context is that the first thing I do is I give thanks. It's really simple. It's really simple. I'm going to give you a different scripture. If any kids are in here, if you want to me- if you want to memorize these, if you're under the age of 18, memorize them, come and give them to me next Sunday. It'll take you less than A minute to memorize these two verses, I will give you $5. If you figured it out, that's about $300 an hour, and I don't know many kids who are making that much money. So, And there's a reason why I want you to meditate and memorize these. It's because it's going to change. It's going to alter who you are as a human. It is going to infuse something in your spirit that will completely alter how you see life now, in the future, and, and it, it, it's, it's going to mess with you. This is 2 Corinthians 2:14 2, through 15. The first one I'm going to give you I'm going to give it to you in three different translations. The first one is in a new King James. You guys got that in the back. Okay. Now, thanks be to God. Are you guys noticing a trend here? H- how does everything start? thanksgiving it's that simple you will move the heart of god with that now thanks be to god who always leads us in triumph in christ who who's who's in triumph through who that's right who's in triumph again who has the victory again that's right and through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. For we are to God the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. Right now, you are the fragrance of Christ to those who are going to say yes to him and even those who may choose to say no I'd say that's a pretty important fragrance here's the same verse verse in a new international it's is second Corinthians two fourteen through 15 but thanks be to God who always leads us as captives in Christ's triumphal procession and uses us to spread the aroma of the knowledge of him everywhere. So it's saying that he's leading you as captives in a triumphal procession. This would be like a wedding party. It would be like when the Seahawks won the Super Bowl and, they, and, they, and they, the parade, the motor coach goes through the city. It would be like when an army comes back from battle and the army and every person in the village, they throw a massive party because there's a triumphal procession. And that's what he says happens when you have the victory when you're triumphing through him. It goes on to say in that same verse, for we are to God the pleasing aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. You're a pleasing aroma. Did you know that? You're a pleasing aroma. One more version of this. This is in the American Standard I'm going somewhere with this. You don't know where yet, but it's going to be good. I've got to set a foundation because I think that the Lord, as you were talking about a battle, we're in a battle right now. Do you know that we are in a battle? If you don't know you're in a battle, um, somebody needs to come tap you a little bit and say, hey, wake up, there's a battle going on. And guess what? Um, Those who are sitting on the sidelines defeated are not participating in the victory. And the Lord has called you to be a victorious one, an overcoming one, a uh, triumphing in a procession that, where you're in the parade with him, and he's leading it, but as you get the victory, he gets the victory. And this is going on societally right now in the heart of the ones who are perishing and those that believe. But it has bigger implications. This is 2 Corinthians, same verse, American Standard, if you guys could get it up in the back. But thanks be to God, who always leadeth us, and this is like King James, so please forgive me, I really don't like it. But I want you to get the context of this. But thanks be unto God, who always leadeth us, in triumph in Christ, and maketh manifest through us the savor of his knowledge in every place. Yeah. For we are a sweet savor of Christ unto God in them that are saved and in them that perish take a little context here and note these words savor aroma fragrance incense my wife and i we had our 20th wedding anniversary last month and we had i'm like i kind of i'm really simple i don't need to travel it's not my thing however uh to bless my wife, we had this thing planned where we were going to travel, and it was going to be special. And of course, like many of you, uh, plans changed due to COVID nineteen, and so we ended up going up to uh, Woodenville, and we stayed in a, in this place, had a weekend away, and it was nice. And when we were there, they had this uh, they had this line of shampoo, conditioner, soap. Lotions, it's all by one company. And this stuff smells ridiculous. Uh, it is so good. And, and it rem- I, I actually forgot about it, but like 18 years before, we stayed in this place on Carillon Point on Lake Washington, and they had the same stuff there. And I was like, I remembered back then, we couldn't afford it back then, but I remembered, wow, this stuff is really nice. And so all of a sudden, I was using this product in my hair. I was washing my, just shampoo in my hair. And she buys stuff like it, like, you know, whatever salon, you know, it's salon quality stuff, right? Our shampoo that we have in the bathroom at home. I'm scrubbing my hair with the shampoo and I get done and I'm like, it didn't make it grow, but I got done and I was like, wow, my hair feels incredible, what I have. It felt like thicker and lusher. I know it's not, but it felt better. It felt better than it's ever felt with any shampoo ever. And so I didn't say anything, but she washed her hair. She got out. She says to me, wow, my hair feels so good. This stuff is awesome. And so the long story short is that later we were leaving. I was washing my hands with this hand soap soap. Uh, and it's called orange and Berg- bergamot. Yeah, I don't even know what that is. But what I know is that when you get done washing your hands with this, it will—you didn't need lotion. It, your hands and your hands actually—not only are they really nourished and hydrated, but you end up later in the day, three, four hours later, you—you you have an aroma that's still with you, that is very pleasing and the name of the company I'm not selling for them but the name of the company is it it, it, anyhow it's a it's a company that's out of London and they for some reason the Brits they do they just do yeah Joe Malone perfume how many of you ladies in here have Joe Malone perfume I'm seeing three right here that I know um so and whether it's Joe Malone perfume or Molten Brown the you know shampoo I don't even what know what Kamudu is but what I know is it makes an awesome shampoo. And so the, the, there's something about the Brits, uh, is Joel Bedian in here this morning? Whether you have a Jaguar or a Range Rover or something, they, they do like the nuances in life, the finishing touches, the leather, the, the woodwork, they do it well. That's how, they, that's how they are. And they do the same thing with scents, perfumes, lotions. And so I have been, we came back and she bought this Molten Browns and I'm now really blessed because I got to wash my hands yesterday with a hand soap that leaves, like it puts a smile on your face. (laughs) And and so why am I sharing this with you? Just as I can have an aroma that is on my hands uh, hours after I washed them, that's what God's saying you are in culture. It's a permeating thing. It's very permeating. This morning I was uh, up. And I didn't understand something. So if you would, Isaiah 60, verses 1 through 5. Many of you know the scripture, but there's going to be a little bit of a, maybe a different take that I'm going to give you on something. Arise, shine, for your light has come. And the glory of the Lord rises on you. See, darkness covers the earth and a thick darkness over its peoples. Do you realize right now there's a darkness that's over the earth? Do you realize there's a thick darkness over many people? Do you see it? there there are many who don't they have scales on their eyes they're not seeing for it for what it is and i think that the lord's peeling off the scales i think the lord is bringing lifting the veil for people to see clearly what is and there is a thick darkness over the peoples but the lord rises upon you and his glory appears over you nations will come to your light and the kings the brightness of your dawn lift up your eyes and look about you all assemble and come to you your sons come from afar and your daughters are carried on the hip then you will look back and be radiant your heart will throb and swell with joy the wealth on the seas will be brought to you To you, the riches of the nations will come. I'm going to share with you that I don't know that the entire body of Christ has heard that the Lord has victory in store for you. I don't think that the body of Christ has come to, when we were listening to the verse a second ago, where he maketh manifest. He maketh manifest. You know what? He's trying to maketh something manifest right now. And he's trying to maketh manifest the victory that he wants to bring on the planet. And it's coming through you. And so what would it look like if everybody said, thanks be to God who gives me the victory and always causes me to triumph and spreads everywhere the fragrance of the knowledge of him? What would happen if the body of Christ believed that? I'm telling you, there'd be a whole lot more promised lands right now being settled. I assure you. I assure you. There would be a whole lot more people looking like they have a Caleb and Joshua lifestyle. I assure you. And I'm not sure that everybody has been exposed to this. What do I mean? Uh, A couple of days on Friday, I was... uh, I was in my clinic and when I was in my clinic, I was talking to a person um, and they're a wonderful person, sweet person, love Jesus and they uh, they're involved in a ministry, and their ministry has a worldwide following and we were discussing some of uh, some levels of spiritual uh, and demonic activity that we had been seeing and how the church needs to pray and the church needs to do warfare to break these bonds however then they said to me this is the beginning of birth pains that was their word that's what they said to me now i didn't have a bunch of time at that moment to have a a discourse on that but i thought little did she know i have been meditating drastically on Matthew 23, Matthew 24. And it's very interesting because in Matthew 23 and 24, Jesus is saying, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees. Woe to you. And he does it again and again and again, just so we're like not confused. He's rebuking them, okay? He's saying he wishes to gather his his children as a... a, uh, as a hen would gather her flock, right? This is what he's saying. And he said, But you wouldn't have it. You rejected me. And so he goes on to decree over them a judgment. And then it talks about a beginning of birth pains. And then it talks about surely this generation shall not pass away until we see the Lord coming in his kingdom. And here's the challenge. Jesus was speaking to a group of Pharisees and Sadducees and his disciples at the time, and he's saying, surely this generation shall not pass away. And so then he goes on to discuss earthquakes, famine, persecution, war, rumors of wars. And then the abomination of desolation coming to invade jerusalem and destroy that it would be such a terrible scene that there would never be a time in human history that would be as bad again as that point in time and and we people today are using the term the great tribulation it's just referred to as the tribulation and it was not actually something that's coming up it's actually something that already was <laughs> And what I'm going to tell you is that when you start to wrap your head around these scriptures, what you're going to find is is that people today are looking at our present day darkness. Is there a thick cloud of darkness that exists right now? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You are, uh, you are dissuaded if you do not see that. There is a thick cloud. There is a demonic strategy going on right now on a multitude of fronts across the globe and across America, period. But you know what? That demonic strategy is really pathetic. Joe, you just mentioned uh, they were counting the spoils of victory a little bit too soon. Because guess what? You have the victory you he causes you to triumph and spreads everywhere the fragrance of the knowledge of him it's interesting it was may Fourteenth, 1948 that israel uh, was established again and as a nation and as many of you who've studied end times or eschatology quite a bit um, many people have always thought well because in, in the in the Jewish culture, a generation's forty years, right? So that's why you had people telling of the fact that it was going to be the end of the world in 1988, and then we it didn't happen. So they changed a the date and then changed a the date and change a date. And and here we are over thirty years later. Do you know we're still here? <laughs> we're still here. And I find it interesting. When I say interesting, I think this is you if you don't think this is the holy spirit you can call it craig's opinion but i'm going to tell you that if you look at america and if you look at a thick darkness coming over the land and a move away from a judeo-christian healthy society when has that happened well i would say that it's been very obvious roe versus wade We have aborted 60 million babies plus in our country. If you look, all of these things have happened in a duration of time between roughly the 1950s and now. Most of what you're seeing as far as cultural degradation, the thick darkness over the land in Isaiah. Well, guess what? What is also at the same period of time gained a ton of traction? a concept that Israel is reborn as a nation and that we have 40 years until Jesus comes back and we're all getting raptured. Interesting. Pastor Joel's done a very good job over time uh, when she was doing a series a number of years ago talking about how Western civilization was developed uh, by the church. She had uh, quoted like certain institutions like Harvard many of which that were started by Christians, okay? I'm not encouraging you to do this. Do not listen to anybody that comes from the Harvard School of Divinity right now. You will hear the most ungodly things that you've ever heard. How did that happen? It was a Christian institution. Much of education was all Christian people seeing that there's a God. He created it all. We just want to understand more of how he did it. How did he do the inner workings? And humans designed to go figure out things that God has orchestrated, he put together. Christians were the forerunners and the leaders in education forever. Right now, what's happening in education? We're telling you that there's not boys and girls. There's 19 different pronouns and that we need to tell little tiny children any, I don't even want to get into this stuff. Um, what are you seeing? Well, what I'm going to share with you is it's very likely that part of the shift you've seen in culture over time is in correlation to a view that the body of Christ has taken into their heart and begin to say, maybe the following generations don't matter because this is the last one. I'm getting raptured. And all of a sudden, Christian people begin to move out of where they're supposed to be, leading, and then what happens? There's a vacuum. You know what happens in a vacuum? It'll be filled. Unfortunately, many who are wicked and unrighteous have taken those places. And now, you know what we're in? There's a thick darkness covering the land. There's a demonic strategy over the land. And I'm going to tell you that I think a good bit of this may, if you disagree with me, just take it as my opinion. But I believe there's a good bit of this that actually may have come from the fact that Christian theology for 1,800 years has had a victorious, Christians-leading, influencing worldview And now we adopted, in a short period of time, a Jesus rapture me worldview. And I think what we're looking at is due to a word that I'm going to give you called abdicate. It's a verb. I'm going to give you a definition of it. Number one, there's two definitions. Fail to fulfill or undertake a responsibility or duty to abdicate. Okay? Fail to fulfill or undertake a responsibility or duty. Two, here's a different definition: to renounce one's throne. To renounce one's throne as in an emperor. And then it'll go on to give you definitions and it'll use it in a context of a sentence you know uh kaiser wilhelm uh abdicated his throne in 1918 in germany what happened in the 1930s and 40s in germany did a madman a fascist a crazy guy take power of a country did he try and take over the whole world did he murder six million jewish people he should sure did I wonder how many things have happened because there was a throne that was designed for the Christ follower to sit in, and the Christ follower didn't get it. And they were, they were in a mindset of, Jesus, come get me out of here. And what happened is a bunch of really bad stuff occurred because there was a seat they were supposed to sit in, and that seat wasn't occupied. It was abdicated. Now, I'm not saying this is on you or me. I didn't exist in 1948. I didn't come around until the 70s. So I'm not saying this is like all my fault or all your fault. I'm suggesting that I think that there's a cultural shift that has happened, and it's secondary to the word abdicate. It would be one not on the throne they're designed to be on. I think the church today uh, and America in in general has a very low hope and faith level. And I think if we could infuse all of our children with, David, you have the victory. He gives it to you. It's him who gives it. It's you're in him and you have it and you're giving thanks to him for it and he always leads you in triumph. A next generation of people rising up and getting this in their spirit will bring about transformation But we gotta wake up as the body of Christ and we gotta say, "Uh uh-uh, no, we're gonna push back. No, 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 no. We will not accept the status quo and we're going back to take what's rightfully ours. And I'm gonna tell you, if you think that If you think that going back and taking your throne is not gonna involve some persecution and a fight, you better wake up, you better get prepared for battle because we need to fight our battles and I'm telling you, you're gonna be in one when we go to take it back. Because if you're not getting raptured up, guess what? We need to be shifting and changing what's going on in culture right now and it's you who are called to it. It's all of you children. It's you. Oh, boy. That was the starting point, and I'm running out of time. That was the not super encouraging part, and I'm not saying it's your fault. I'm saying it's where we're at. Almost everything that happens in life happens through a pattern of replication. Almost everything. Do you know that? Who has the best pattern? God does. What's the pattern worth replicating? God's pattern. What are you? You're his workmanship created in Christ to do works that have been prepared in advance. You're the pattern. Almost everything that occurs does so by replication for both the good and the bad. Both good and bad. Those of you who've done Recover Life, what's most of Recover Life about? No, it's breaking patterns that hinder and bind correct do you know there's patterns of replication that hinder and bind and then there's patterns of replication that are God's patterns that are worthy to be replicated and modeled and patterned and I'm going to tell you that kingdom impact and reformation is a multi-generational phenomenon the message i'm giving you today has nothing to do with just your lifetime it's going to go beyond your life it's not it's not a feel-good thing where you're going to be like oh that was good and and i feel better for half a day this is like your life's message your life's message is to create a multi-generational kingdom shift and impact multi-generational this will not occur of your own work alone and it won't even occur within your time span look at paul and silas who was with paul singing praises in a jail cell in chains silas it was it was like so he accompanied paul from his secondary second missionary journey on right he functioned as kind of a secretary and writer Uh, for paul later co-authored first peter one or first peter um in berea so that you know where the people were commended for searching the scriptures daily to see if what paul preached to them was the truth of god right in berea the bereans Um, silas and timothy actually stayed there when paul left why did silas and timothy stay there to train up the believers, so that the church would know how to function. Do you know that's why they stayed? Two of the most powerful prophets ever were Elijah and Elisha. Elijah, Elisha stuck by the side of Elijah until he went up to glory stuck by his side, he would not leave him. I'm going to tell you, I think it's extremely likely that God did so much through Elisha because he would not leave the side of Elijah. Who did the greater anointing come through? The one who is discipled. I'm going to say that again. The one who was discipled is where the greater anointing came. The greater miracles, the greater works is through the one that was discipled. I'll tell you a funny story. Okay, no, I don't have time. let me, let me give you two words. This is the word dis, the dictionary. This is the word disciple. Follower of some doctrine or teacher. We already talked earlier. If there was a pattern to follow, it's God's. He knows it. The beginning from the end. The word discipline and disciple are very similar. Discipline is to punish, guide, or instruct. So to disciple is to guide or instruct in the ways of God. To guide or instruct in the ways of God. I have a bunch of stories that I wanted to tell that are not going to happen. But I'm going to tell you, uh, I will tell you that I've had the, just in personal uh, I do a certain thing, and I don't have any time to explain it, but uh, in that thing, I I wanted to become good at it. And 20 years ago, I went and picked the top person, top person in the world doing something, and I said, mentor me. I want you to mentor me. And it was in a non-Christian-related area. And this person ended up mentoring me. And what happened is over time... Uh, I developed some skill sets that other people didn't have. And eventually the person who mentored me looked at me and said, you're the one to carry this on. I've carried it for this many years, and now you're the one. And he mentored me. He's not even a believer, and he understands this. He gets this principle. I wonder how many in the body of Christ fully understand this, a week and a half ago, I was up at 2.30 in the morning, and at about 3.10, I, my son was up. I looked at him. He was up, and he's on the couch, and he's immersed in his Bible. I had to go get him like, hey, and he wasn't asleep. I was like, hey got to go. There's a generation of people that you have been called to mentor, to disciple. If at 12 years of age, you could put yourself in a posture where the Spirit of God is just constantly speaking to you, oh my gosh, what could you accomplish at 30 or 40 or 50? You will be head and shoulders above where any of us are at. And so, a couple of questions that I have for you. Number one, who is the Lord putting in your heart and your mind to be a friend, to disciple, to be a coach or mentor to? Is the Holy Spirit illuminating people that He's called you to disciple? Number two. Who do you have discipling you? Both are essential components. Another question I have for you Am I engaged in the battle? There is a battle going on right now, and He's called you to have the victory. Are you engaged? I'm going to tell you your theology influences whether you are or not, and it's critical. Another question for you, is my life's endeavor to create a legacy of righteousness and kingdom growth, wherever my giftings lie, he's gifted you all differently, but wherever he's gifted you, he has called you to be one that would transform and be one that would replicate, be one that would multiply kingdom principles. I believe it's time for the people of God to get back into their rightful, God-ordained position of leading. And that's you. Right now in this chair, those of you that are online, it's you. He's called you to be the light unto the nations. He has called you to be the one that would bring transformation and culture. two brief scriptures this is Proverbs 28 12 when the righteous triumph who's supposed to be triumphing when always always triumphing when the righteous triumph there is great elation but when the wicked rise to power people go into hiding like being locked up in your house This is Proverbs 29, 2. The word elation is more than like a happy look on your face. It's more than a little bit of joy. It's more than, you know, publisher's clearinghouse coming to your your front door. Elation is like you're blasting through the ceiling with an excitement. And that's what happens when the righteous are ruling. Proverbs 29, 2. When the righteous thrive, the people rejoice. When the wicked rule, the people groan. Are people groaning? Is it because there's maybe some wicked that are ruling? God has not called you to survive. I don't know what you, how your view and your mind of 2020 is and 2021, but your view shouldn't be, I need to get through this thing. <laughs> Your view should be the Lord is not causing me to survive. The Lord is causing me to thrive. This should be the mandate for your 2020, the rest of it and your 2021. This is what the Lord has for you because when you're thriving, the people are rejoicing and they're not groaning. They're not locked up and in hiding. You are the righteousness of God in Christ, you. And it's time for you to triumph and thrive. Triumph and thrive, that's the word for you. Lord Jesus, I'm just gonna finish this out in a little bit of prayer as they show us how to fight our battle. Lord, I just lift up an overcoming message of victory. Message of faith. Message of the church is the overcoming ones that are dispossessing the wicked from the land. And as the wicked are are dispossessed, the people of God are rejoicing. The people of God... The people of God and even the people who don't know God, who are in the land, that those people would have an elation, an elation in their spirit because they're happy to have you leading because you conduct your ways in the ways of the Lord. You have love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control. These are the hallmarks of your life. This is just all you are, it's all you know to do. Oh, thank you, Sandy. Oh, I need help when I'm up here. I get sidetracked. I bless all of you. And I say, go take take your mountain. Occupy your place. Yeah, take it by force. Take it by force. The Lord's preparing you for the battle. He's giving you strength. He's giving you the right words. He's he's put a a glory and a light on your head that causes you to triumph. And you'll always be triumphing. You're never going down. You're always going to be on the top, not on the bottom. You're always going to be above, not below. He has equipped you from the time you were small till now to be prepared for such a time as this such a time as this we need to take our battle orders as joe was talking about earlier our battle orders and march them out and we need to disciple a next generation of people who would be standing on our shoulders and who would take the revelation we've had and say boy that was good but there's so much more than that there's so much more than that and we would shepherd and steward them Shepherd and steward them so that this next generation and the generation after that would be overcoming victorious ones that take back the land and where the people under them experience elation and jubilation. We thank you and we give you praise in the name of Jesus. I almost forgot, thank you. We're going to do communion. Obviously, your victory is all tied to one thing. Your victory is tied to the, the body that was on a cross and that suffered terribly so that you don't have to. You know, that's one of the most awesome things as you open up your wafer, if you can manage to open this thing up. Thank you, Sandy already did. I appreciate it. If you would stand with me, please. Take your wafer. And we're just gonna celebrate what he did for us, the broken body of Jesus on the cross, that he died and suffered and was punished so that you don't have to suffer and be punished. If you would, take that with me at this point. If you would, grab your juice. Lord, we thank you that the blood of the Lamb has cleansed us from all unrighteousness. And that the body and the blood are what give us the victory. And it's what infuses power from on high into our mortal bodies that the people of God take on their champion role and identity to overcome the principalities and powers of darkness And to rule and reign as kings of the Most High. And we give you praise for your blood. Take it with me. And we say, go take it back.